all have a story. Sure, the details of those stories differ person to person, but we all have a story to tell. Today, we're going to look at Psalm 107. It's a story about the people of God, a people who had a rebellious and painful past, yet they had a God who was willing to rescue them. And because of his rescue, because of his engagement, their future looked brighter than their past. Perhaps you need that hope today. And in Psalm 107, we see the hope that we can have because we have a God who rescues and changes our story. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. We are going to look at Psalm 107. We're in a second week of a new series called Church on Mission. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today that's very reflective in nature. It's reflective over the history of the people of Israel during some dark and difficult days because of their rebellion. And yet there was a God who was willing to rescue uh, them. You know, in life there are seasons, right? There are seasons in life, it seems, that there are great difficulty. In fact, if you look over the landscape of your life, you probably can remember a time in your life that you traversed through very difficult times, through very difficult territory. And when you think about those times, it brings tears to your eyes to think about the pain that you went through in that particular season. But some of you came here today and you're walking in that season. In fact, it might be that season that actually drove you here today to be present because the pain seems too much. And you're walking through a season of pain and you're looking for an answer. You're looking for an escape. You're looking for some level of comfort. So whether we're looking back over the landscape of our life or looking in the mirror in the present day, we all can relate to times and seasons when we walk through points of pain. Pastorally, this is a difficult season because people all around us in this church, people that are connected to people in this church, are walking through seasons of great difficulty and great pain. It seems like, pastorally, that in this season we're either attending funerals, planning for funerals, or trying to pray people away from funerals. It's just kind of the season that we're in, really. And it's hard. It's hard for us as pastors because we care for you, because we love you. It's hard for you because you're in the the thick of it or you're walking with others that are. I've appreciated Psalm 107 for a long time, but it seems like this psalm is a psalm that was written for people who are walking through points of pain right now. 
And so as we look at this psalm together, let us reflect over those times in our life where things were quite difficult. And and yet, let us find hope today, knowing that we're not alone, that there's a God who is here with us, but we're also the ecclesia. We are the ones who are called out, called out to be different than the world, but called together as well to comfort one another in times of need. So when we think about this whole idea of, of being a church on mission, here's, here's the reality. If we're not careful, we'll have what I call an analysis that leads to paralysis. It's where we analyze everything that's going on in our lives, and if it does anything to us, it just paralyzes us. It numbs us. It puts us in a place where we seem like we can't do anything, like nothing is working out in our lives, and we are idle as a result. But my friends, if we're going to be a church on mission, one thing that we have to overcome is this analysis of paralysis because God has a purpose and a plan. And even in the midst of the pain, one thing I hope we can discover today is this, is that there's purpose in the pain. So as we look at Psalm 107, let's look at this idea of what it means to be a church on on mission uh, together. What is a church on mission? Well, the first thing I want us to see is this, and Psalm 107 begins this way, is that a church on mission is filled with people that are ready to praise the Lord our God. Psalm 107 verse 1 says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let me tell you, God's mission is always preceded by God's people worshiping him. Any mission that you have that you've been sent out by God should be preceded by worship of God. This is what the psalmist tells us in verse 1, give thanks to the Lord. Do you notice the term that he uses? He uses the term for God that displays his uniqueness, his oneness. He is the Lord God. There is no other. There is no other like him. He is the one Lord God. In the Old Testament, we know him as Lord God. In the New Testament, we know him as Lord Jesus. He is one Lord, one God, and he is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. This is the Lord God. We are his people. We belong to him. He is the Lord God, but we also see that we are to praise him for two distinct purposes. One, he is the Lord God, and number two, he is good. God is good. Your circumstances may not be good. But God is good. God's goodness doesn't change because of our circumstances. God not only is good, he is the definition of what is good. The only reason we know what something is and call it good is because we have a standard by which we measure it by. God is that standard. He is the standard of goodness. And if you're going to call anything good, it's going to be because you have compared it to the goodness of God as he is That's God. He's the Lord God, and he's a good God. We praise him for who he is, but we also praise him for what he has done. And the psalmist 
gives us an insight to that here in verse one as well. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And notice this, his love endures forever. This love of God comes from his very nature, but it flows out to his people. In the English, we read the word love, and and we just kind of blow right past that word. Because in the English, we love each other, we love our spouses, we love ice cream, and we love God. And we don't distinguish between any of those. But here, this word in the Hebrew has a whole lot of depth to it. It it can't even be... the translators struggle to which word to use right here because this love is a different kind of love. It's, it's a word that's almost indescribable, but they try to describe it in the Hebrew, but in the English, it really is a love that, is, that it has all of these adjectives. It's a faithful love. It's an eternal love. It's a grace-filled love. It's an everlasting love. It is a merciful love. You can't say that all in one word, but that's the kind of love that God God has for us. We praise him for who he is, but we praise him because he has poured out this kind of love towards us. He's worthy of our praise, isn't he? God is worthy of our praise. Before we think about being a church on mission, my friends, we got to be a church on worship. And the one that we worship is the everlasting one, the unchanging one, the Lord God. Psalm 107 tells us something else about this idea of being a a church on mission. The church on mission is a a people that is ready to share their story. According to flightradar24.com, I know there's a lot of fans in here that are subscribed to that website, right? July 6th was the heaviest tracked time of air traffic, 134,386 flights were tracked on this one day. You know, we live in a busy world. I mean, just that graphic there just shows that there are a whole lot of people in this world going a whole lot of places. And the question I've asked is, where are all these people going? And what are all these people doing? And what's going on in their lives? I can't think of another season in the life of a church that's more busy than this season is right now. But I have to ask those same questions. Where where are we going? What what are we doing? What, What are we seeking to accomplish? My friends, I don't expect that any of our lives are going to get less busy. I want to ask the question to you, what are you doing in the busyness of your life? Because to be a church on mission, we have a story to tell. I want to ask you, in the busyness of your life, are you about the business of sharing your story? Psalm 107, verses 2 and 3 tell us these words. Let the redeemed, those are the ones that are called out. Those are the ones that are rescued. Those are the people who have been rescued by someone on the outside to get them out of the trap they are in on the inside. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Tell their story. 
those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, though he, those he gathered from the lands from east and west and north and south. I see the, the picture of those plains, and I see people going everywhere. But the people of God, as we travel, we have a story to tell. Are you telling your story? we got to be people ready to share our story. And, and part of our story is this reality that we all have a past or a present filled with points of pain. Psalm 107, the psalmist is writing about four distinct groups of people that are traveling through points of pain. And the psalmist is looking back over those lives and those examples of pain. The first group of people is described in verses 4 and 5. These are those wandering in the wasteland of isolation. Look at verse 4 and 5. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Does that describe your life? Wandering in the, the wilderness, seeming like there is no place that you can rest your head. There's no place of security. There's no place of identity. There's no place of peace. This psalmist was writing back, reflecting on a time in Israel where God allowed the enemies of God to come to Jerusalem, to invade the land, to destroy the city, to destroy the temple, to tear and burn down the walls, and to send all of the people to a foreign land where they knew nothing about the culture. There was nothing familiar in their life. Everything that they knew, everything that they appreciated in one day was taken away from them. And their lives were described by the psalmist. It's just people wandering in the wilderness with no place to call home. Can you relate to that story? Or maybe the description of this second group of people that we describe people defeated in darkness. Look at verses 10 through 12. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. These people are described as people defeated in darkness. Anybody remember the last time that you experienced darkness? I mean literal darkness in your home. Like the lights went out at night and you hadn't prepared. No candles weren't ready. The flashlights were out of batteries. You, your, your wife had just rearranged the furniture and you were just there. You didn't know where to step. You didn't know where to go. You didn't know what was safe. Utter darkness. Did you see that description? Not just any kind of darkness. Utter darkness. People who stumbled in the darkness and they were alone and there was no one there to help them. Is that how you feel today? Is that how the circumstances of life have encountered you that you are walking in a season of great, utter darkness. There was a reason for the darkness. 
the psalmist tells us that the reason that these people were walking in darkness is because of wickedness in their heart. Because of sin inside of them. My friends, let me tell you where sin leads you. It always leads you to darkness. Confession brings us into the light. But sin entraps us and trips us in darkness and leaves us alone. Psalmist was looking back at a season where the enemies of God came to the city of God to capture the people of God. Why? Because of their sin. But there's a third group here that's described. Those suffering in in sin and in their sickness. Verse 17 and 18 said, Some became fools through their rebellious ways, and they suffered affliction because of their iniquities. My friends, there is sickness in the land, and the church isn't immune to this sickness. In fact, the church is supposed to be a a hospital where people can get care for the sickness that they have. We read this and we immediately think of a physical sickness. And I believe that that's part of what's being said here. But there's emotional and mental and psychological and spiritual sickness. And some of it here exists in this church in you. And my friends, we're suffering Because of our sin. But there's a fourth group of people in verses 23 through 27 described. These are people that are, catch this, fearful in the familiar because their circumstances have changed. My friends, if there's a a place that I can relate to, it's, it's right here. Notice the description here. Some went out on the sea in ships. Who went out on the ships? He tells us. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke, the Lord, the Lord spoke. He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their perils, their courage melted away they reeled and staggered like drunkards they were at their wits end anybody in here at their wits end did you notice who was on the boat it was merchants it was people who always were on the boat they were familiar with the boat they were familiar with the seas they were familiar with the storms but in this case this was no ordinary storm This was one where the waves went up to the heavens and went to the depths. This was a different kind of storm. This was a tempest that came from the hand of God. And it describes mighty men of the seas who were melting away and had no courage. They were staggering around on the boat and staggering around in life like a bunch of drunkards. And their courage melted away. And it brought them to their wits end. Let me tell you where there's a good place to be sometime in life. At your wits end. Because it's at your wits end that you can discover things that you wouldn't discover perhaps 
if you didn't get to your wit's end. Four different people the psalmist describes. Four different kinds of people. Four different people facing four different kinds of things. And my friends, if any of these people have anything, it's one thing. They got a story. And their story is filled with pain. It's filled with suffering. It's filled with heartache and it's filled with disappointment. And my friends, that's your story too. And that's my story. It may be a story from yesterday, but for many of us, it's a story of today. And that's a part of our story. But also the story we have to tell, thankfully, as believers in Christ, we have a story that's been informed and transformed with a new perspective. God's word tells us about this this perspective that God makes possible in us despite or maybe even in the midst of difficult circumstances. First thing I want us to see is how our story, our personal story, fits inside the big picture of God's working. And we we see that in verses 33 and 34 where we see this, that God has a purpose in causing or allowing circumstances in life. That there is purpose in the pain. My friends, you can have confidence in what I'm saying here. That there is nothing that has come your way that either hasn't been caused by God or hasn't been allowed by God. That's what we know through his sovereignty. He is the one Lord that we praise and he is the sovereign Lord. He knows all that you face. He knows all that you deal with, some of which he has brought into our lives or allowed to come into the reality of our present. Look at, look at these verses here. This is God at work here. What is God doing here in the midst of his people? Notice what he's doing. He turns, God turns their rivers into what? Into what? A desert. God does this. He, he's turned their flowing springs into what? Thirsty ground. He's turned their fruitful land into what? A salty waste. Because of the wickedness of those who live there. See, God looked at his people in Israel. And he didn't see a covenant people who loved God and worshiped God and were obedient to God. God looked at his people and he saw wickedness. You know what God doesn't tolerate? Wickedness, but especially among his people. My friends, God sometimes changes our circumstances because that is how he gets our attention. Now, God doesn't cause all things to happen, but he works through all things for his good and his glory. You know, some of the points of pain in our life are from our own Doing. I like this psalm as well. Psalm 7. You won't see it on your screen, but I want to read these. Whoever digs a hole, verses 14 through 16, whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. 
The trouble they cause recoils on them. Their violence comes down on their own heads. You know, some of the pain that we're facing right now is because we dug a hole for somebody else to step into, but we fell in it. And the pain we wanted on someone else's head has now fallen on ours. God brings some of the pain, but God allows some of the pain because you are a free will person who sometimes decides that I'm going to do something other than obey God. And that, my friend, is wickedness in the land. God allows some points of pain. But I want you to know this. God also has the power to change circumstances. I mean, I know you don't like the circumstance you're in. I want you to know there's a God who can change those circumstances. The psalmist reflects on this reality in verses 35 through 38. Notice what he says. He then turns, he flips what was done and flips it back for his purposes. Verse 35, he turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live. And they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded fruitful harvests. He blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased, and he did not let their herds diminish. The circumstances that God caused, he changed those circumstances back to a point of blessing. You remember those four groups of people that were struggling? God allowed those circumstances to come into their lives. But God also changed those circumstances. Look at these verses with me for each example that the psalmist gives us. Verse 7 says that he led those who had no home. He led them by the straight way to a city where they could settle. Those that were walking in darkness, look at verse 14. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and he broke away their chains. Look at verse 20. For the ones that were sick, he sent out his word and healed them, and he rescued them from the grave. Verse 29 and 30. The ones that were in the midst of the storm of the sea and their courage was gone, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them where? To their desired haven. Isn't that a beautiful picture of God shifting and changing the circumstances in life? God sometimes brings circumstances into our world. And sometimes God changes those circumstances for our benefit. But my friend... That's not always the case, and we know that. That we don't always see and understand the why behind the what. But this last point I want to make sure drives home to you. That there is possibility today for you. And this is, to me, the, the greatest point that matters. There's a God who sometimes brings circumstances, and there's a God who can change circumstances. But my friends, this is, this is the truth for you and I, that God has the power to change us in the midst of our circumstances. I want you to know that today. It doesn't matter what you are walking through. There's a God who can change you. 
So often our prayers is, God, take this away from me. But there's a God who may not take that away because he's accomplishing a greater purpose. God's greatest purpose in the pain is to change you in the midst of the pain. That's how much God loves you. And a lot of times we say, God, I want to become just like Christ. Well, my friends, you'll never be like Jesus if you don't understand pain and disappointment and heartache. Look at these verses 42 and 43. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. But let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. I remember the Apostle Paul, he was writing to the church in Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians, he writes about this affliction that has come upon him, this hardship, this heartache in life, this difficulty he was facing. Notice what he says in verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. To torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect where? In your weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more, Paul says, gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulty. For when I am weak, my friends, that's when I'm strong. God might not change your circumstances because he's in the business of changing you in the midst of these circumstances. Paul knew what that was like. It's not easy. But my friends, you're not alone. That's a shift in the perspective. That becomes a part of our story. Yes, our our mission begins with us praising God. But as we go, our mission is to tell our story. And my friends, all of our stories have points of pain and difficulty. But our stories can have a shift in perspective with the grace of God. So what what was this shift in perspective? What was this change in understanding? Why could the psalmist write this psalm of so much pain, reflecting back in a very dark time in the life of Israel? Why could he write this way and seem to have hope in the end? It's because that shift takes place through our confession and our call. Notice this, that that the psalmist describes in verse 6, that a people ready for a redeemer to rescue them. There is a point of rescue, and it's not a point, it's a person, and his name is Jesus. Notice this in verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. They cried out. Who cried out? Those wandering in the wilderness. Look at verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Who cried out to the Lord? Those walking in darkness. 
Then they cried out to the Lord, verse 19, and, and in their trouble, and he saved them from the distress. Who called out to them? Those that were sick in their sin. In verse 28, very similar language. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. See, it doesn't matter what point of pain you're walking through. The answer is the same. Just cry out to the Lord. He'll save you from your trouble. See, a lot of us think our greatest trouble is our circumstances. That's not our greatest trouble. Often our greatest trouble is the person in the circumstance. Me. You. My friends, when we bow our knee and surrender our will to a God who can rescue, my friends, there's a God who will rescue. He's a God who sent his son to, to perform the greatest rescue that's ever been performed on earth. He sent him to a cross to die for your sin and mine. To rescue us from eternal death and eternal punishment and to bring us into eternal life. Psalm 107 is looking back over the landscape of the lives of a very rebellious people. But a rebellious people that God came to rescue. How did he rescue these people? The same way he rescues you and I. By sending his son Jesus to do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. You know, let me tell you what you can do. You can dig holes. But you're going to fall right into them. But there's a God who extends his arm and pulls you out and sets your feet on a path to not only praise his name forever, but to share his story and your story and how those stories intersect with one another to a world that is waiting but busy, that needs to slow down and hear what you have to say, but we can't sit in silence anymore. We've got to be people on mission, people who go out and tell a story, as painful it is, tell the story of God's redemptive work. Who can rescue us? Really the answer, no matter what you're walking through, is only one. His name is Jesus. I've asked Adam to come out and just sing a song that to me reflects words that lead us into a time of invitation and I want you to focus on this, these words and this song and, and to think about what points of pain do you need rescue from? There's only one who can save you. His name is Jesus. Y'all listen to these words. Picture this just a kid with a heavy burden Having a hard time with the world that he was seeing Broken up with a head full of questions like, is there anyone out there that can hear the pain I'm feeling? The devil did his best to make me believe unworthy of love is all I ever would be. You had me thinking nothing good could ever come from a story like mine. But who turns a broken dream into a life redeemed? Who can turn your worst defeat into your victory? 
Everybody's got that hurt they wish that never happened. Everybody's got that pain they wish they could undo. But wounds become scars and scars become stories when it comes to the story of you. Who turns a broken dream to a life redeemed? Who can turn your worst defeat into your victory? Who saw me where I was and led me can take me from lost to found so hallelujah i'm singing there's no stealing my freedom he picked up all the pieces look at me now so who turns a broken dream into a life redeemed who can turn your And so the invitation's pretty simple this morning. It's really, do you need to be rescued? And do you want Jesus to be your rescuer? If you're willing to surrender your will, swallow your pride, and hold up your hands and your heart, and call out to him by faith, say, Jesus, I need you to rescue I believe he will. Maybe not the way that you think, but my friends, the way that you need. So as we stand and sing this song of invitation, I'm gonna invite you to the front just to pray and to surrender. Or if you need points of prayer to come to one of the pastors or to come and say, I'm ready to receive this rescue. Let's stand and sing. And as the Lord leads, you come. Let us pray. Let us surrender to him.